Today we have a very exciting episode. We're talking about a show that I marched, Blue Nights 2018. Uh, it's a show that many of us don't even understand, but we're really excited to talk about it. And we have two very special guests, uh, Kendall Holt and Lane Alby, who both marched that year as well. Uh, we'll have them introduce themselves, but first uh, we got a couple plugs. So I'm going to toss it over to Cyrus to talk about Drum Corps Tycoon. Okay, so... <clears throat> so, uh, in one of our previous episodes, uh, I mentioned a game coming out from uh, Alex Lukens from uh, Lot Hype, a game called Drum Corps Tycoon. Uh, basically, if you enjoyed your experience of touring the great middle school gymnasiums of America for three months and decided I want to play a game where I'm in charge of all that the video game drum Corps tycoon is for you uh, jokes aside though it's a really interesting concept uh, it's basically a tycoon style game where uh, you get to play the role as a staff member director uh, make design choices and it's coming out for uh, Android and iPhone uh, I believe last I heard it is last I heard I they started doing open beta tests for Android and this sometime this week the uh it'll be available for public release so uh it should be a good game to keep an eye out for nice yeah definitely check that out once that comes out um another thing that i wanted to uh, highlight was the blue coats brass podcast recently uh had an episode their latest episode um is uh very related to our latest episode and that they talked about black lives matter and the experience of um members in drum corps who are um uh who, who are who are black people and the different challenges that they face um so that's a really powerful episode uh definitely go check that out and uh definitely check out our last episode on a similar topic and uh we definitely want to continue that conversation at some point. So uh, let us know if you have any ideas for how to continue that conversation. Uh, additionally, uh, you can now check out our first two episodes, I believe, on Apple Podcasts and on Google. So wherever you stream podcasts, we are slowly getting out um, all of our streams onto those. So we really appreciate any listens and follows that you can uh, shoot our way. So now let's uh, get on to business. Uh, Lane, why don't you uh, introduce yourself first? Sure. Hi, I'm Lane. Uh, I marched at Blue Knights for five years. That was uh, 14 to 18. And uh, it's a lot of tuba. Too much tuba. Nobody should do that much. But, uh, but tuba. yeah. On a Jupiter tuba. On a Jupiter tuba. And now they're lighter. Isn't that funny? The year I age out. <laughs> They uh, updated them, and now they're way lighter. Um, yeah, uh, once I aged out, I uh, was on the uh, visual team for the Seattle Cascades in 19, and I was going to be there again in 2020, but, you know, that's been pushed to 2021 now. So uh, I also do work with high schools, both in visual uh, teaching and uh, drill writing 
for a couple of groups out here in Colorado as well. I'm from Berthoud, Colorado. I don't think I mentioned that. But yeah, I'm Lane. Hello. Awesome. And now Kendall? Uh, hi, I'm Kendall. Um, I marched Melophone at Blue Nights in 2018 and 2019, and I would have aged out this summer, but I was given a bonus summer, so eh, I'm, I, I'm indifferent. It's okay. <laughs> um, I'm from Flower Mound, Texas. I currently am a senior music education student at Oklahoma State University, and that's about it. Awesome. Go Pokes. Go Pokes. All right. Uh, Cyrus, are we ready to start diving into the video? Uh, we should be. Uh, I'm just going to, uh, because technical issues seems to be an occurring theme, I'm going to make sure uh, everything is running one more time. Just awesome. For a couple seconds. Yeah. Well, uh, while Cyrus is checking that out, let's... Uh, talk a little bit about the show. So it's called The Fall and Rise. Um, so I guess, Lane and Kendall, do you want to give maybe a brief one or two sentence summary of uh, what the show's all about? It's about Egypt. It's definitely about Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, it's based on Egyptian mythology, the sun god Ra, and how, uh, you know, Ra's the one, if I remember correctly, that, uh, you know, pulls the sun across the sky, uh, kind of like Apollo. Same deal, different name, different culture, more or less. Um, and it's, yeah, that's the show is about the sun, uh, you know, as it goes around the world, as the city we live in falls into darkness, and then the sun comes back, and that, you know, that basically is it awesome yeah i think i'll yeah i remember it also being about cycles um light and darkness with the days mm -hmm. uh i think we we build a city in the ballad and so it's sort of like the rise of civilization yeah um something like that yeah but <laughs> if you don't have time it's about egypt <laughs> Mm -hmm. I hear some show going on. My favorite major. If you can hear the show, then we are good to go. Nice. Okay. All right, without further ado, let's get this rolling. Oh, I think we're getting some feedback out Kendall, of- Kendall, can you put some headphones on? I think it's, yeah, Kendall, can you mute for a sec? Nice. Hey, my video is cats. Do I have the wrong link? Cats? <laughs> yeah. Right now I'm watching Cats vs. Invisible Wall. Oh, you know what? So <laughs> I, I I'm getting the some page? <laughs> So the cats video is actually the first video you see on like the main page 
Okay. That's probably why. Um, I'm going to. Oh, I refreshed it. And now it's banned. So yeah, we're good I, to go. I was gonna say. <laughs> I'm gonna have to check out that cat video later, though. <laughs> I thought you guys were like, "Is this like an inside joke?" I'm watching. Blue no. <laughs> Legit, there's no, a I'm cat. Like, I, I'm like, this is string based. This is not Blue Knight. This is kitties. <laughs> okay, we figured out the the show's actually about cats. It's actually about cats. <laughs> Anyway, let's get right to it, all right? Okay, so everyone has the right video pulled up now, right? Yeah, I believe so. Okay, great. Uh, so I'll, just start, I'll start from the beginning. And, this uh... is amazing. <laughs> all right, guys, yeah. So it's not about Egypt. It's about the cats in Egypt. <laughs> all right. Oh, that prep. Woo. So why do Blue Knights do that prep? Lane should explain that. Okay, so in the 90s, we marched a bent leg technique. Um, and, you know, in the mid to early mid-2000s as well. And uh, the group was not very good at the first step. So the prep, that prep step, was a count eight, literally a cheat, to get the technique going before you stepped off. So it's just a cheat step, but it looks kind of neat, so we kept it around. Like it. I also always just love whenever a court is right a spring on a field. <laughs> there were uh, two in the in the 2018 season with Mandarins. They technically didn't even play right a spring. <laughs> oh. My body is ready for some Mike Jackson beats. That was one of the hardest sets to get into. Spent a lot of time on that. all my dreams <laughs> I'm still afraid of uh, playing uh, on my own in those hits are so clean. Yeah, that was good. Jeez, that fun summer run is taking forever. I always forgot how loud that part was. I hated this part of the show's drill. It was so hard. 
It always sucked never being able to see that <laughs> saber toss. Mm Back center pyramid, me like breaking my ankle. <laughs> I, I love like standing on the pyramid for the last like half of part two. That was definitely my favorite thing. <laughs> Place to chill. Remember, a lot of brass judges said upper tessitura in that solo. <laughs> oh, okay. The trombones. Oh my gosh, I forgot how big those flags are. Yeah. Want them bed sheets, I'm pretty sure. This might have actually been like one of the most expensive pieces of equipment on that field that year. Oh, absolutely. You remember when they told us, oh, just fall down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just fall over. It was nice though, whenever it was hot outside because we didn't have to do that because the turf was super hot. So oh, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a background lane. Wow. There's me. <laughs> I remember I was, I was so upset I wasn't chosen for dance team in this uh, part. I was dance team.
Here come the best Melalix. <laughs> oh yes. Oh yes. And also one of the hardest body moves ever. <laughs> Falling to your knees? Oh, yeah, when you have a 45-pound horn, it's pretty difficult. I guess that's true. When I have a melophone, it's like nothing. <laughs> Oh my god, Mike Jackson's face is just... Yeah. Oh, hey, Gareth. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> the tubas are going to hit a pedal B flat here, just a couple of us. See, there's Joey dancing, and then we, like, cut out an entire minute of the show. Yeah, oh, the, yeah. the oh. Pink Floyd copyright, I think. Yeah, it's okay, though. That'll happen. Oh, my God, Lane Abbott's in the Twitch chat. <laughs> Love you, Lane. Oh, look, there's actual pyramids now. Kendall's us to eating back. <laughs> also a triangle <laughs> I just noticed that <laughs> like way to go deep <laughs> yeah they really wanted to emphasize the the pyramid <laughs> and the not Egypt and it's a cycle because our first like big set is also a triangle <laughs> oh Sheridan Shemp says shout out to Gabe Lopez in the tuba line Aww. hey let's go Gabe yeah, I miss Gabe. Uh, yeah, so now that we've watched the show, uh, let's let's talk a little bit more about what it's about. What did we just watch? <laughs> I will say before we watch, since Sheridan's in the chat, oh, the chat, he does have surgery tomorrow. And Sheridan has been an awesome big fan of the show. Pretty sure he's watched every episode. So, hey, I'll be praying for you, man. Hope you do well. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Sheridan. Uh, we've seen him in the chat like every single uh, stream, so we really appreciate it. And, uh, I marched with him. He's wish a, you a he's a good boy. Speedy recovery, um, and good health. Thanks. We are now level two Twitch streamers for calling out our regulars in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> we've just upgraded a little bit. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about it. What did we just see? What's going on? Uh, should we start with like uh, the intro? Um, and the trumpet soloist. Do you guys have any thoughts on uh, that and going into the the second movement? Not a whole ton. I didn't do a whole lot. Yeah, I really didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> I was at the back of the form. 
I just hid behind a prop and, you know, came out and played the same three notes for the next couple of minutes. Yeah, I think one thing that I remember uh, Chad, our brass caption head, kept uh, on like telling us was that those those hits, those isolated hits in that first triangle set, that ba 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 I probably can't even do it anymore, that five-lit. But I remember him emphasizing that this is like one of the hardest things that any drum corps is doing just because it's so exposed and isolated. Yeah, I. that's one of the things that I feel like we probably don't get enough credit for because that's hard. And we, it, we would spend reps where like the first note, if someone came in early or released late, we would start the whole rep over. Oh gosh, that sounds necessary to like, yeah, you're right. Cause I feel like it's one of those, I feel like there's a trend in drum corps lately. We're going excessively impressive. And so like SCV's mellow sustain is really good because like the tonality of it is great. But then like, we're not, I guess not, I'm just speaking as a drummer. We're not like taking a lot of rhythmic risks past like how fast can we make this mellophone run? Um, and like even in, even in drums and stuff like that, whenever we have really complicated stuff tends to be covered up, or like Mike Jackson does, which I guess that might be him thing, like the whole like two shots from Broken City, just a unison like really quiet shot. Like you just don't see a ton of stuff where we just take those risks. And so I never actually thought about how hard that was, because like to me those drums I just play it. But no, for brass guys, yeah, holy crap, that is really impressive. You guys got that that clean. <laughs> Yeah, especially with uh, with all the body, all the changes in levels. Um, yeah, I remember a lot of locks where if one if one person played a note in a wrong place, it was just like reset. Um, lots of frustrating stuff, and that kind of relates to the uh, the ballad. I remember you, uh, David. You you had a reaction to the the drums in the ballad. Oh yeah, because um, it's so open. Oh yeah, because. Because for drums, we can dut and stuff like that. But it's like, dutting only does you so much, especially when you float your arms. Because, you know, there was like one hit that was a little bit like DCI quality dirt, where it's just like, it's barely there. Um, and it's only because like one guy was out. But like for all those like big exposed hits, that's really hard to do. No matter where you are, you're looking down. You have to like trust the dutts around you, ignore the pit and stuff. Like, I feel like just Blue Knight's thing lately is just, I guess like since 16 was a space show, I feel like Blue Nice just plays with the space between notes a ton more than anybody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I remember the uh, your reaction to that reminded me that that all, all the drum parts in the ballad weren't written until a couple months into tour, I think. Uh, Laner Kendall can correct me on that. Yeah, I do. I don't that. remember. Yeah. Because I, I was actually, my drill was right next to the battery for all of that part of the show. And I just remember them doing drill and just like not playing anything. Yeah. So definitely like when they first added drums into the ballad, um, I mean, like one of my first reactions was like, oh, this is a brass moment. Why, why are we adding drums into the hit? Um, but then I remember like it just added so much um, that that last hit is so much more impa impactful with all those isolated attacks. Um, and I remember watching lot videos 
where just like just that unison hit like everyone's just whoa I remember the first time hearing that I'm like why are they so impressed by this and then it took a second for me to be like oh wait this is actually insanely hard and insanely good and one of the things that I've noticed with percussion and one of the reasons like for those that don't know Mike Jackson works with an indoor group called Broken City currently are the world record for highest scoring WGI love their show speed but like one of the things that he does like I had six runners somewhere but like they start their show with like this like um Which, like, to, like, a non-percussionist, it's like, oh, they're just playing flam bass notes. But, like, to us, the way they modulate and the way they all have space, like, we're getting a lot of, like, East Coast cadets, Tom Onks, Tom Hannum, and uh, Colin McNutt are just, like, how many notes can I put in a space? And Mike Jackson's like, I'm going to put three. <laughs> and they're all going to be fortissimo left-hand shots. And everybody and their moms want to do it because, like, there's just something about the way he writes that's very metrically hard. I know... That 18 had a lot of splits, and I think he had a ton of sevenlets. Maybe I'm getting 18 or 19 mixed up. But, like, he just – he writes in a way that lets that space exist in something that I, I, I just don't see in anybody else. That's like – I know we're going to get into it later. That's why, like, it's hard to classify Blue Knights as, like, a quote – like, to me, like, West Coast drums and anything other than their approach to touch because their writing is nothing like BD. It's nothing like SCV. It's, it's Mike Jackson who – just oh I just I love every single thing that man touches especially ever since like so like I got in the drum corps for the blue coats in 2012 uh mm-hmm. where he was and like that drum break for at least if you watch in the early 2010s blue coats 2012 drum break is just absolutely killer and so I don't know I, I I'll get back to you guys I could talk to Mike Jackson for like ever is that a uh, unmasked yeah that was unmasked yeah I remember a lot of percussionists have told me like oh that's my favorite drum corps show yeah, when I talked um, to uh, a friend of mine that auditioned for Coats, one of the things he talked about, it's like, so Cadets, we kind of look back, there's a couple of big shows that we look at. I know Crown really likes the cream years, but like the drum line just stares at 2012 uh, Blue Coats Battery. And they're like, we will never, like, it's not that they're taking those failures, they're just like, I want to be that drum line. And I want to be that good. And, cause, and that's, again, that's a, Mike, that's a Mike Jackson line, not knocking Tom Rarick. But man, everything Mike Jackson touches lately, it's just the approach to art, music, and making sure the marching art stays on marching drums. It's just, it's just so cool how he writes. Check out Broken City. They're amazing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a lot of blue coats at Broken City as well. Um, so yeah, let's continue with our uh, theme of, of show design. Um, so um, I, I think one part where I actually do have like a very strong uh, thematic reaction to was in the ballad, um, like the sort of turning of the the planets with like the trombone pod across from the battery pod, um, the darkness of the backsides of the pyramids, and the transition from um, soloists from a, a dark to a light uniform. Um, so I guess Lane and Kendall, what are your um, thoughts about the ballad and like, what do you love about it? And do you have any stories of uh, putting that ballad together? 
Yeah. So, and if I remember right, it's it's the movement before where we were playing the really crunchy stuff from Rite of Spring. Um, yeah, the diminished chords. Yeah, is supposed to kind of represent the the sun going down and like kind of a not necessarily panic, but maybe a little bit of dread, a little bit of you know, kind of a fear of the unknown. And then when we start the bell, when we start with the Radiohead, um, you'll see a one guard soloist get up and they're wearing like a, like a midnight blue with a couple of sequins kind of shroud. And that, you know, represents the night. And then they ride on top of the pyramid as it moves across the field. And I actually, that was one of the visual moments um, that, the, that the guard had that I really, really enjoyed. Just kind of that aesthetic was really great especially with the backdrop of uh exit music for a film but uh yeah when we got when we got to that hit we were in eagle point oregon for the fourth of july and uh i think the original plan was to uh have you know kind of like a bk17 where we just dance the whole time uh to have that kind of deal through the hit uh, but you know how plans in drum corps goes. Not all of them, you know, come to full fruition, and that's okay. Uh, but the stand-in that they had was, all right, we're going to start in the back and do, like, a ripple where everybody just drops to their knees as fast as they can. And, uh, you know, that's not too big a deal unless you play a 45-pound horn uh, and you already, like, broke your back the season before. And then, you know, we have to rep that a bunch of times. So they're like, hey, Lane, just like, let's just slam your knees into the ground like seven or eight times a day for the next uh, the next week or so. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Did you go buy knee pads or anything or just no? Um, I already had knee pads earlier. I can't remember why, but we were doing a lot of knee kind of stuff earlier in the show. So I already had them. had a thought? Yeah, no, I, you know, I, that was my fifth season. I had been around. I knew what was coming, <laughs> but it wasn't even like just the knees. It's just like the shock in the back. Cause you know, like I said, I, yeah. I had fractured a, a vertebrae at the beginning oh, of, uh, of 17, but I've got like a really weird pain tolerance for major injuries. So I just went, ah, oh, no, it's fine. I'm just going to, you know, sit out for a few days and then we'll be good to go. Bad move. That was the wrong choice, uh, but don't regret it. I just, you know, don't slam your knees into the ground over and over. I don't run into that very much anymore. So it's fine now. But yeah, that will, that'll stick with me for a while. Just the memory of the first day we did that just over and over and over and over. And by like the 12th time, I'm like, okay, let's, let's take a break for a minute. Give me five. <laughs> uh, were you guys, you, you guys are playing like a long tone or something in that, correct? So, and, and the the tuba line actually was moving pretty well too, because that's a Jay Bocook book, and like Jay really likes to you know put the tubas on kind of pedal points. But that year he just like he just went for it, and the tubas had a lot of walk and stuff. And if I remember that line, um, bum bum ba da di da 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 da, yeah, somewhere in there. Um, but I think I only had one or two long, like, whole notes in that whole ballad mm. hit. Well, was your, like, at least your, when you went down to a knee, was that, like, on an actual note? Because, like, that's, that to me is what, like, is most impressive about watching guys from that year. Because, like, at least in drums, the arranger very much 
uh, body is considered as like a part of the book nowadays. Mm -hmm. um, it's why like if you watch a lot of indoor stuff, you can very much tell looking at, I, I could watch a, 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 a drum line a lot and I know like, okay, this is the part they're doing body early season. They're going to add it here because like it's very exposed. There's nothing there. And then like, oh, now they're going to go nine lit, seven lit, five lit, 16 notes, and then a 15 inch roll for five bars. They're probably going to stand still for that. But like for brass, it seems like y'all as arrangers haven't quite gotten that memo yet. Um, or wherever it's like, all right, um, so there's this dot, there's this eighth note five lit that you guys have in the opener. We'll just put five body moves there. So I, how do you guys, at least in the brass, approach that stuff? Because to me, that seems ridiculous. We had one body move in C2, and as a 25-year-old, I was like, I am trying to get this in time, but it's weird because I'm thinking about the notes and stuff. So it's kind of an interesting uh, issue because, like you said, and it's – and I don't know a whole lot about percussion writing, but it seems like it could be a little bit easier to kind of write it with the intent of having body because it's it's just rhythms for the most part there's not a whole lot of you know like pitch and chords and things like that or breathing. With, yeah that too um in the case of you know the drop to your knees during your kind of like walking baseline i uh i just took a breath where i hit the ground and that became my breathing count for the rest of the phrase and that's just kind of how i handled that but i know it when when I write for the high schoolers that I teach, I look at the book, I see what they're doing, and I base the visual around what the book is, what the rhythms are, because it's a lot easier to change level or do something different with your body on a note change than it is like in the middle, like on count two of a half note. So um, what will usually happen, and if you go back and look at the body in the uh, beginning, it all lines up with the, with the stabs. Um, but like I said, brass books are kind of weird. There's a lot of things going on. So the tubas just have that repeated quarter note pattern that whole time. And so we all had to figure out how to put the body that everybody else, it's like, oh, simple. You just, you know, go into a four starch when you play this dab. But the tubas are like, okay, that's on the and a two. And that's like not a thing that we do. So, but... <laughs> I mean, for me, I had been doing it long enough by that point that I was just like, okay, give me like two reps and I'll get it figured out. But it, it, it is a little bit more interesting writing body for brass just because of all the different things that can be going on. But that's usually our approach. Just what are we playing? What shapes look interesting? How do they flow together? Yeah, I all can right, just go. Yeah, I can just do my counts out loud. And every once in a while, if I was at least in college, we had an odd, an odder one, and so I would just like be playing and like had to like count out loud. I'm like, and there's the end of that. Like we, I can cheat because I can count when I'm playing. But like, how was it down in metaphone land for stuff like that? Because no, like, slam. Because like, you, Kendall, you said like you guys were playing during that part. Like, you went, oh, uh, yeah. like was that like a run or something? Um, for me, so I was right next to the battery for that entire part. Oh, so that was so easy. I yeah, I mean, I was the first person to drop to my knees out of that line. So I basically started the ripple. And so I I was just told when to drop. So it was pretty easy for me because I had someone come up to me and tell me, you need to drop like right here. And so that's what I did. I just worried about myself. If the person in front of me didn't drop, then that's not my problem. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I remember that was a sight ripple. Oh, yeah. But 
because oh. it comes from behind you. Yeah, since the circle is facing that way, I couldn't see when the person behind me was dropping. Did you have to like listen for it? Well, um, you kind of where I was, you kind of could because I was in the middle of tuba land, so you could just hear it coming towards you. Everyone just going <clears throat> when they hit the ground. <laughs> And you go, okay, there's one, two, three, four, five. All right, there we go. <laughs> yeah, the, the person that was next to me in line, uh, she was like in front of me and to my right. So she couldn't see me at all. She just had to know when to drop. And we didn't get counts or anything. So we just kind of were like, okay, you need to start this right here and then make sure it's done by this time. And that's what we just tried to figure it out from there. It <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, you, you do it so many times a day that yeah. you just kind of, it doesn't become a sight ripple, it just kind of becomes like, okay, somewhere around here is where I need to go, and as long as I do that, it's going to look close enough, yeah. and if you just do that every time and you don't get yelled at eventually, that just becomes a habit, you yeah. know? Yeah, I think that maybe, like, once they realized the problem, we did, like, a couple reps facing like the other way so that we could see it and just <laughs> and then, get the timing down yeah. and then I just had to figure out like where in my music it was and then just like try to be consistent and then someone would tell me like hey it's terrible you got to do it earlier <laughs> you'll be like hey hey Gareth that no again <laughs> well that was yeah, we love the third that version of that drill for part three for that ballad so that was we we had originally been in another circle but it was shifted a little bit and mm -hmm. we were still kneeling down but then after that we had to figure out because we rotated back to what we saw was the finals performance and we had to figure out again when everyone else was dropping so we had to switch it but I mean we practice it so many times a day you figure it out uh, yeah, I remember shifting that circle because the trombones used to be in the front because we went, oh, you know, that's an interesting kind of part of the show. We want to hear the trombones. And then the trombones were so loud that you couldn't hear anything else going on. So they went, okay, hey, mellophones are in the front now and everybody else is just going to deal with it. But I was really happy when they shifted the circle because where I was before, I was like four tubas in and I was standing on kind of the right if from you know the performer perspective on the right side of the circle and so I could look in front of me and see the whole thing develop and I remember there was me and the trumpet section leader was at the back of the trumpet section line right and the like five or six guys in front of us just really love to make the circle have a corner like they did not bring the circle in ever Circles are hard. <laughs> Dude, circles are really difficult to set up. And because that year we had a new drill writer that came from BD. So we didn't have dots. They just kind of went, hey, you're going to stand here. We're going to make this shape and make it good. And I mean, we had dot sheets eventually, but, you know, those were more for reference, if I remember right. Yeah. So the trumpets keep making a corner. I remember every day uh, the trumpet section leader, Christopher, would turn around and just kind of give me a look. And just be like, I don't, I don't know what to do about it. You can only tell them so many times. But then we shifted around, and it was never a problem again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, so. speaking of uh, dots and drill, um, I know a lot of our viewers, and also David and Cyrus are more East Coast uh, guys. So, do you want to maybe introduce the uh, the more West Coast, the more BD inspired? 
uh, methods of writing and learning draw. Oh, I got, uh, let me go get my dot book. <laughs> <laughs> All right, while he's doing that, uh, can, does someone want to tackle that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was fortunate enough to march again and I still had the same Viz staff, so I still got to kind of work. From my understanding, I don't think that before 18, we like blue knights did the no dot thing we had yeah. it was dots yep yeah. dots but you dressed to the form so it was kind of like a yeah. a mix our um our visual rehearsals when we were learning drill it was staging so they just tell us like okay we want this shape you go here get there in eight counts go and you just try it and you don't ask questions because they'll get really mad at you <laughs> and <laughs> you make it look good. I think that's every drum corps. <laughs> yeah, like they, they want, they have a vision in their head. They're very strange and almost like ethereal type people. They have this vision in their head and they want you to go do it. And you just can't ask questions. Like you just have to go do it, try and make it look good. And if they don't like it, they'll scrap it. If not, it's in the show. <laughs> I kind of, I know. I, uh, I I hit up Gareth a lot when I was teaching fall 2018 because I had a I had a movement that like drill wasn't gonna work and I wanted to do it that way and so I think like one of the things I like about dot uh, form over dot at times is like you can really screw up and like yeah. but like screw up correctly as well as it's so much easier to, at least I did it for like scatter sets and so. We kind of just had a like, all right, let's figure this space out. How does it work? And so at least me personally, I liked it for like minimal stuff. It's much harder to teach because we tried it for the whole show the next year. And like we very quickly just for high school, we, we, we wanted to see if we can do it. But like we just abandoned it quickly. But for like quick moments, at least on the East Coast side of things, it's fun because you really can experiment. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of makes it day by day. And then I really encourage my kids to push me. And so they're like, hey, Mr. Keller, I can actually like get over here. Uh, do you want me to try that? I'm like, yeah. And then one kid, I just looked at him and went, run as far as you can that way. Count the four, then stop. And like, you get to do like little crazy things like that. So I, I hope more East Coast kind of takes it because just going to your dot, I don't know, it just feels very restrictive to me for like a moment you kind of want to see more chaotic. Yeah, it's, it's definitely something that also like from a performer's standpoint helps kind of minimalize um, dot nazis as we call them air quotes uh those people that just really want you to get on your dot um yeah that's like not my style anymore and it's just so much easier <laughs> so much easier to just like know that you're going to the right spot no one can say anything about it because there just isn't a dot <laughs> yeah something like that just blows me away about bd like i'll hear like stories they just get told follow a leader at a two-step interval and here's the path and i'm just like and that's how they teach it. And they just spray paint a path. And then you just go on this path for like 20 counts and then it's done. And I'm just like, but I think we at C2, we had a scat, we had a follow the leader set that took so dang long to clean. I think it was set 34 in 2017 after the box or whatever. Like we had something. Yeah. Like yeah. After, after set 34. Yeah. It was like yeah, going, going five. Yeah. The reverse default, like that, that set took forever to clean because we had so many checkpoints and like we would check each like individual subset 
that took forever. But I feel like if you guys are just like, oh, that curve was a little bit, as Lane said, that circle had a bit of a curve to it. Uh, when it's that cur the circle had a, uh, an angle to it. All right, let's just bring that in just a little bit. Let's just do the whole thing. So I feel like dot over form lets you see the whole image. While, I mean, form lets you see like the whole picture where dot makes you see like a bunch of individual things. Yeah, that, I, I think in 18, that we only had um, the, so our Vish caption head, he was from previous Blue Knights years and after 18, he left. So in 18, it was kind of like a mix of the two. We still had dots, but we also still did some staging because we brought in a consultant from Blue Devils. And it was, it was a mix of both. So it was kind of nice because I came from a school that did dots and that was the only like marching band experience I had. So it was kind of nice to get both of them. And it helped prepare me for 19 because that's basically all we did. <laughs> Curious from the Super Blue Knight, um, like how is it for you? Because it sounds like, I don't know, I know like Gareth and Ken and I and Cyrus as well, we're very much used to that. And it sounds like Blue Knights was a dot core before. And then 18, like a lot of things changed. So was this something that you guys were building up towards or did it just like, Let's try something new. Uh, you know, it, it. We I wouldn't say we were ever really strictly a dot core. I mean, I know some groups like Cavies SCV, like they are dot, and if you're not on your dot, you're not on your dot, and that's all there is to say. And we were never quite that hard about it. Um, like we had dot books, and you know, we were supposed to be, you know, on your dot. But it's like, if the line is written, it's splitting, but it sets up at three if you get it three you're in a line right and that's kind of how it was before um and i think there are merits to both systems you know dot and form but i don't think either way is perfect i think that kind of middle ground personally is you know kind of the best place to sit but we also did you know in the years before 18 a lot of uh live staging which is basically you know, like you said, using form uh, styles just in a smaller moment. So at least for the vets of BK, you know, in 18, it wasn't a concept that was super foreign to us. We were just doing it a lot more uh, than we had been in the past. So it was kind of refreshing to do the whole show like that. Um, you know, and just try a different system. I, I really did enjoy that. Like I said, I think both systems have their merits, but um, yeah, I, I really like the that kind of middle ground, having a dot get in the form, you know, I think that's where where it needs to be. Yeah, I think most most groups probably lie somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I think there's very few groups that are, are purely dot, like you said, like the traditional caveats and SCV style. Um, versus form, which is, I guess, BD is the, like, main example of that. Um, I, I think most groups overall lie somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Um, well, it's nice because it gives you a specific place to be, but it also accounts for an occasional human error, which, yeah, you know, you're going to yeah. make those. Especially since, like, you guys played Rise of Spring, and mm -hmm. if Rise of Spring is done pretty and done perfect, it's wrong because right of spring is it, to me the, the way i got described right of spring 
if someone isn't offended and if the earth doesn't sound like it's about to open up because of the blasphemy, you're doing it wrong. So like, I guess kind of that, like that scatter idea of like, we ain't going to be pretty, like really stands out of like why that works from like a show design element. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I remember in the spring rounds movement, which is where we get super loud before the ballad. Um, I think one time Chad said like, hey, Mellow's like, you know how usually like two Fs is is like get go to the like breaking point of your tone? It's like, okay, in this one, you go way past that. Oh. Yeah, it's like three Fs is like bad sound. I don't care what sound you make. Yeah. Three Fs is when it starts getting fun on drums. <laughs> and okay. uh, yeah, so speaking of Chad, um, I thought it'd be funny to tell the RCC warm-up story. Oh, yeah. So if one of you wants to take that on. We have, I think we both have great perspectives on this story, but yeah, I basically what happened was at the RCC show in 2018, the brass was warming up and I think Chad, our caption head just lost track of time and we left the lot a little later than we were planning. A little? So, a little. Just a little. Just five a minutes, little you know. Minute, like five minutes. And uh, we're, we're walking in twos to the stadium. And if you've ever been to the RCC school, um, basically we warmed up on a pretty high like ground level. And to get down to the stadium, you have to walk down this like windy path. And it all goes downhill. So we're uh, we're walking towards that path to get to the stadium. And we can see the mandarins leaving the field. And the mandarins were right before us. So that means we have to be at the gate ready to go onto the field. And of course, we're at the top of a giant hill. And we're trying to get down there as fast as possible. And our pyramids are moving onto the field and we're not even halfway down this hill yet and chad is just like guys we're late i'm sorry i'm sorry like we're late we gotta go we're, we're late we gotta go stay calm but you gotta move we gotta go it's okay take a breath but run but, I'm like, yeah, no, i i saw him the mandarins you know they had that big stage last year and i saw him pulling them off the field and i'm like okay well you know, I don't know who would be between us, but there's got to be another group between us. And then the, the line started getting a bit more spread out because the people in the front were starting to book it a bit. And I'm like, oh, and then I look over again and I can see the first couple of pyramids being pushed onto the field. And th this hill is like a good 300 feet above field level and it like switchbacks all the way down to the gate. And I see the pyramids going on the field and I'm like, oh, Oh no, we're on right now. And <laughs> <laughs> and if you've ever done the RCC show, you know that there the stands aren't very big and the box is centered on like the 30. I hate it. But there's also people that sit up on that hill. There's people that sit on the track and are basically on the front sideline. There's people in the back stands. So if you're having like a panic, you can't just hide behind the prop and like compose yourself for a minute because like someone's gonna see you. 
you know, and just, oh my God. And we just ran by the audience on our way to the game. I I still wasn't behind. I started the show behind the pyramids, uh, the pyramid that actually uh, the trumpet solo was was standing on. (laughs) And uh, I still wasn't behind the pyramid when the announcement started. Like I had just put my horn down and the count off went. And I was like, okay, well, that's, this is fine. I had to push that giant prop in the back onto the field. That was like my pre-show responsibility, I guess you could say. The giant prop that no one ever says anything about. Um, That weighs like at least a thousand pounds, I'm pretty sure. Me and three other Hornline members had to push that onto the field. So we're struggling to try and put it up. It was on like a hinge. We had to put it up in order for it to be complete basically that was also not fun trying to push that thing onto turf that sinks when something heavy is put on it it was awful how were the cat and the casters weren't great i'm assuming oh no they never are oh i had when i played drum set like it was really funny i had to have like three people pull my carts at, at like my drum set cart at the same time um and I always felt like bad about it, but like I think Gareth pulled it once, and so like I feel like he gave me some crap about like why do you need people to help you pull your cart? And then like it took all like three people just to get the cart going because the casters are so bad, and like he never made fun of me after that day because like it's just one of those things that you can I feel like you can tell when an organization is doing really really well because you'll start hearing conversations about casters, <laughs> and like. You, you hear the phrase, don't buy the cheap crap. We need big casters, big, obnoxiously huge casters. And if you ever hear that, you're in a healthy organization. So I, uh, speaking of wheel issues, I don't know if y'all remember this. In Allentown, it, w- it rained a whole lot in Allentown, right? And uh, As is tradition. 2018, and the Mandarins, like, wrecked their soundboard because it rained in the middle of their show and they canceled Allentown. Um, and I just remember we were rehearsing on Friday. It was raining all day. And, uh, but there was a parking lot at the middle school next door, but you couldn't use the field because, you know, swamp. And uh, that whole day, it would just rain off and on. And we would run outside when it wasn't raining do like three reps and then run back inside because lightning struck the school or something dumb. And, uh, and we just did that all day. I think we maybe got like a two total hours of rehearsal time and like five hours of transition. It, it was wild, but the, the parking lot at the middle school down the way, uh, we ended up going there because we had a longer stretch of, you know, not rain coming up and they lined, they lined the parking lot with soap. Yeah. I, I was on field lining. I can confirm we bought yeah. soap and drew the field with soap. <laughs> In the asphalt parking lot. And the sun finally came out and we went, oh, you know, this field smells good. The sun is out. It's not raining anymore. I'm not wow. like sloshing. Oh, that's another story, but that's for later. And, you know, <laughs> like, oh, the, the day's getting better. And then... <laughs> And then there's just this explosion, like not a big explosion, but it sounded like kind of like how a gunshot sounds when it's far away. And we're like, and you know, the area we were in, not 
not maybe the best area so we're like oh. you never know when you're on the road and you're just like no, i don't know no, what kind yeah of <laughs> yeah and we're like in a parking lot and the only school that's unlocked is at least like a quarter mile away like if we if there's like something going on we need to find somewhere to go and then it happens again but it's it hit the other ear and we realize that it's the rubber tires underneath the pyramids popping because the asphalt is getting hot <laughs> I completely <laughs> forgot about this until you just mentioned it. I think I blocked it out. Oh yeah, my god. And we were like, this day was getting so good, and now it's just so bad. Because, like, we only have, like, I wasn't on prop crew, um, thank god. But, like, we only have so many spare wheels, you know, and we have to keep replacing them, and they're popping, like, left and right. And I'm just like, this is just, oh, this is just a mess. Um, but that oh god that other story i was mentioning uh, we had done laundry the day before um oh, that yeah. day was also bad <laughs> that, that was and you know allentown laundry days are always interesting because allentown's a very interesting place uh to just go hang around in for a few hours and uh days it's a really odd town it's weird dude um, not very good tasting water least no. water least favorite water i've ever had famous famously weird water it's not the worst water i've ever had but it's not it's just the aesthetic of the town is unique um hey that's technically my <laughs> my, my ex-core's hometown but whatever whatever yeah. it's all good it's it, it it's nice just depending on where you are um but no so we had done laundry the day before and i guess the the washer didn't complete the spin cycle so i still had some unseen soap in my socks um and the thing about it is when you're rehearsing on a wet field and your shoes are a little bit heavy because they're wet and you have some soap in your socks when you walk it's going to agitate the soap and start foaming and i remember walking into the school after like the sixth time we had gone back and forth and i looked down and there, like i can't see my shoe anymore because there is so much soap like suds and foam just coming out of my shoe and it's only the right shoe not the left shoe left shoe's fine but it's just the right shoe is like halfway up my calf with like soap suds i'm like you know it just it would be today it just makes sense here we are happy allentown it just that was easily the worst experience I've had at a housing site. Well, like, and that was yeah. when that was when the 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 horn line had started like to kind of crumble mentally a little bit just yes. because like everything had gotten weird really quickly and so like that's when we started, you know, like spooky story hour. Oh yes. yeah. And that was in <laughs> Pennsylvania, yeah. That was in Pennsylvania that I read the Bigfoot story on the bus and scared the crap out of like half the horn line. Well, okay, and... <laughs> because our bus driver decided <laughs> to drive through a creepy neighborhood that wasn't lit at all, and it's like Clay outside. took the scenic route. He did. Oh my god! And he like did. no, and like the trees in Pennsylvania, they're big. They grow and they grow like over the road, and you know when the when you're in kind of a nicer area, the houses are a bit more spread out a little bit further off the road. So, and this is coming back from the laundromat that didn't wash my socks. We're driving through like the trees have made a tunnel over the road and we're driving through this. It's like 10 o'clock at night and you can see the lights from the houses like way deep in the woods. 
and it's just like a spooky vibe. There is a river, so it was kind of foggy too. And I'm reading this story about a Bigfoot encounter that was like terrorizing a family. And it's just like, I, I spooked myself a little bit and I knew what was going to happen. And like, but no, the, the whole time we were there, like there was at the housing site in Allentown in the day, there would be like steam coming up from the mountains and like all this weird stuff. And we were about a week into this just like spooky story. Like, let's make just everything is creepy and weird. And do you remember where we stayed in Pittsburgh? where we like had to drive in homestead Steel city. and like steel city was the, city. the haunted high school i think the we haunted high talk school. about haunted steel high city all the brass dude. staff went throughout the hallway and was screaming about ghosts dude i went ghost hunting with rob and uh, and keith while we were there right. and w- so this school I, I i didn't confirm it but <laughs> allegedly it used to be a prison um and so you walk in and the gym and the theater were on the top floor and some of like the shop classrooms and things like that and that was it all the classrooms were like in the basement underneath the school so like there wasn't a whole lot of natural light down there and like things echoed around the hallways there and this is in a homestead pennsylvania just outside of pittsburgh and I think there was like old ventilation and stuff down there. So you'd get like hot spots and cold spots that just like made it yeah. way more spooky. And like each hallway would have like a different temperature and vibe and the um, the strange. The field, this we've just gone off the rails and I'm sorry. Yeah, we'll yeah I, I, I think this is more important, honestly. <laughs> I will say that was, that was the housing site. I that, got in trouble for getting coffee before block. Duncan before ensemble. But no, so I will not, say yes. This is the last one because we do have two more yes. talking points. We had appetite. <laughs> yes, so. that's that's fine. That's fine. So <laughs> this this school. Lane, you're coming back on the show to talk about every single show you mark. You might okay. just want to get to you. You, you got it. You got Gareth, it. One at a time. Gareth and Cyrus and I are just gonna like. <laughs> Hop out, and it's just going to be lame for two hours. <laughs> it's going to be the Lane Albee story hour. And <laughs> we'll give you five hours. You're good. <laughs> the Lane Albee show. Here we go. Here's the pilot. Um, but no, so this, this school, it didn't have a field. It was one of the districts that has a community field, right? So to get there, we had to all get on the bus. And oh, that field was creepy too. It I was. could tell you stories about that field, but to get one, one. I, this is one. the last one, I promise. Okay. Last one. Okay, we're wrapping it up. So to get there, you had to drive all through <laughs> the town. And I swear to God, this entire town was, was just a cemetery. It was gigantic and like not very well maintained. So like the grass is growing up above the tombstones and like they're all leaning. And it's like, this is horrifying. Who lives here on purpose? <laughs> But so the school, all the classrooms are underground and you can like the way it's set up, you can hear when someone's walking towards you, like from six corners away, you can hear their footsteps echoing. I'm down there with Rob and Keith and a couple of other guys. Uh, and they were brass, brass staff. staff. Yeah, yeah, these are all brass staff. And we're, <laughs> we're walking. Adults, yeah. And we're walking down the hallway, which is illuminated only by the red exit sign. So there's just a red glow throughout the whole kind of thing down here. And we, you know, the school, here's the hallway. And there's the little indents where the doors open so that, you know, you don't smack a kid with the door when you open it. No, um, we want to. <laughs> and we're walking down. And one of the 
kind of hallways we pass, one of the little indents just feels darker than the others. And so Keith stops and he puts his hand on the door and he's like, oh, guys, come here. This door is like vibrating, like there's electricity running through it. And Rob, I should mention, is down there and he doesn't buy into any of this. So he's like summoning demons and like... (laughs) he's like demons of the school if you can hear me give me a big old scratch and uh (laughs) bad time to drink water i'm gonna put this down (laughs) and so rob is like keith you're full of it he puts his hand on the door and he goes dude there's nothing like whatever but i don't trust rob at this point because he's not open to it so i put my hand on the door too and it like is do it like is rumbling a little bit so it was doing something so we open we open the door and it's unlocked. None of the other doors were, which was interesting. We open the door and there's a stack of books at the foot of the door. There's five books. And on the bottom was like some kind of self-help book written from a Christian perspective, which like maybe it was the teachers. I don't know, but it was like kind of a, a stand in holy book. And on, I don't know what the other three books were, but on the top was a book titled Saint Death. <laughs> <laughs> And the cover art was like a Mexican, like Day of the Dead, like painted skull. And Keith is like, oh my God. And just like left. And, <laughs> and then Tommy, Tommy took that book. He took it out. And we discovered on EPL that Tommy had removed St. Death from the stack. So we made him go back in by himself and put it back because I was not bringing that on the bus. We already had you know, the this, this spooky Jesus painting where you couldn't uh, tell yeah. if his eyes were open or closed. We didn't need anything else in there. Oh, okay. That's so, it. Anyway, so uh, drum corps. Yeah, uh, I guess our one of our last planned topics, but I, I think those ghost stories were very important. I We have time for both because okay. I do think if we, we would be remiss to very quickly toss it over to Kendall and let her talk I think a uniform controversy that popped yeah, out of that's like the best way to describe it in a short term um all so i don't know if anyone has seen the uh like from 2018 it was a pretty well-known post like in a drum corps planet or like a drum corps hate group on facebook like the time that's like older people that don't like new drum corps you know um so they find things that are wrong with current drum corps so of course they find something wrong with our uniforms from 2018 so there was uh there was like seven different designs of the uniform everyone had the same pants but the top part was kind of uh different for everyone there were like seven different versions and one of them made it look like the girls who were wearing them had like under boob but the thing is like the mesh part that you saw underneath the purple part it wasn't actually our skin it was fabric and i think that's why people freaked out but i mean long story short we had under boob in our uniforms and people were angry about it of course as old drunk core people do so we get pulled aside by our core director at the time mark arnold it was like me and seven other girls who had that same uniform, same under boob problem. No big deal. He's like, hey, 
I know y'all have seen this post and I'm trying to like think of a way to solve this without being like so brash. He wanted us to feel comfortable in those uniforms, but he also kind of wanted to protect us like as if we were his daughters and that makes sense. We weren't angry about it, but what it came down to was we were like, you know, we feel really cool in these uniforms. We really like them. We don't feel wrong in them. So I, I mean, Eh, I didn't have an issue with it honestly like I think some old guy on drum corps planet really just wanted to pick something apart about new drum corps and then it became an actual issue but yeah it was aggressive I'm pretty sure like he called uh oh yeah so Cyrus has the video up on this on the uh a picture up on the stream so as you can kind of see uh I think um so like the girl on the left was like one of the options but like I know a couple of the girls had uniform similar to the guy on the right and like i'm pretty sure the post is saw is like look at these sluts or something like it, it was like it wasn't even yeah. trying to hide it was just aggressive yeah and i know one of the things we talked about in here because um 20 2020 feels like a decade so like 2018 isn't that far away but like if you remember back that far boston crusaders had another uh similar ish uniform where like i feel like Blue Knights does a very good job. And I know Lane confirmed this when he talked about like uh, the 2014 and 15 uniforms were like Blue Knights up close. The uniforms aren't that impressive. But like once you watch them from like the box or the stands, it's like they're really cool to watch and they pop and stuff like that. But like while Boston Crusaders, I think, was made of a more indoor gym mindset. Like if you ever watch the uniform, there's like in the very dark, I guess, maroonish pants, there's like black inlays and stuff. And there's like maps and stuff on the the shirt top that like from the 600s in Lucas Oil Stadium, I'm not seeing that. But like Blue Knights, I'm seeing all of y'all's design. And so, but then once you get a picture of that up close, it's like, oh, that's a, that. There's something. So. Yeah, it was. I I never. I mean, I knew that I had like visible under boob in my uniform but i never really had an issue with it and i honestly think that some dude just wanted to get angry about it but like it was really funny because the pants that we had they were um they were striped they had stripes but they were printed and then they were just like manufactured pretty fast so some of the pants that some of the members had like the stripes didn't line up they were like slightly <laughs> off um where they were sewn together and yeah i mean from far away you can't tell but like up close yeah <laughs> yeah so cyrus so i have a question for you and then we'll go up and then we'll kind of go quick we did take a poll this week mm -hmm. so would you consider blue knights a true west coast drum corps not why just yes or no uh i would say yes gareth well Yes or no? I, yes I would ask yes what you mean by true. Yes or no? Yeah. Yes but or no? If I need to, I would say yes. I would say yes. Kendall? <laughs> yes, most definitely yes. Uh, Mister, I've done Blue Knight since I was a baby. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. According to 235 people on Drum Corps Friends, nine people on our Instagram, and one old dude in Facebook Drum Review Corps. <laughs> 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 they all confirm yes 
uh we had 85 notes um that's kind of the only like one we wanted to end on i know like i was using the term midwest we're going to clarify that in a later episode because like the middle of the country doesn't get classified in a way because they're all different but like yeah what what the heck is blue knife steel because i know like talking drums uh like from a percussion standpoint i know we in the drum world we call blue knights like the west coast core which is interesting because like bd and scv are so different but the difference between east coast and west coast for percussion is like the amount of velocity as well as the amount of body you put into your drums like i'm pretty sure paul rennick has like five body moves every year because like scv drums don't move and they just play amazing notes and they win everything blue devils they actually when they're warming up in the lot they barely move their heads and then but then you got blue knights that are approaching with that lighter touch but they're like like, yeah they're they're vibing yeah and so it's (laughs) it's got this weird east coast vibe of putting body into the movement and kind of going to get fit more like more west african the approach but they're playing with a lighter more articulate touch like west coast and kendall had some really good points about the brass book that's kind of again another i don't know where to put this yeah it it's definitely been kind of weird the past uh i mean since i've been there i've only been there since 18 but our our visual is very west coast i would say and our brass at least from what i've experienced is really east coast because we basically have all crown staff um, or people that have marched crown uh, are teaching our brass. But my my main classification for like West versus East Coast, honestly, is just like what tour we take. Like, I don't consider someone who is like, who might be geographically closer to the West Coast, but takes the East Coast tour, I would still call them an East Coast drum corps. Like, I, I don't really put like the style or visual or anything really like that into account when I say something is West or East Coast. I mean, that's just me personally, but I think that makes it simpler in my brain, honestly. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, I think uh, if you're going with styles, uh, maybe like a good way to say it is that Blue Knights has like a BD inspired West Coast visual philosophy but with an East Coast, you know, like J. Bo Cook writing, Crown Staff, uh, Brass Line. And then, yeah, like you said, drums is a little harder to, yeah. I, I usually think of Blue Knights and Blue Coats as having a lot of similarities. And Yeah, because uh, Mike Jackson and Roger Carter, Roger Carter is the battery caption head for- uh, Drum Jesus. Yeah, Drum, <laughs> he's the guy that works with Blue Coats, but Roger Carter and Mike Jackson work together at Broken City, which like, Broken City lately has really changed the game more kind of like we talked earlier, a lot of space and notes, um, a lot of Austin, a, a lot of ostinatos, which I think is the big thing that like Paul Rennick doesn't do a lot of ostinatos. He doesn't like find a rhythm and kind of keep with it. Minus like a phrase that's like a couple bars long. And then the guys on a Blue Devils, same thing, just a lot of modulations. And then Blue Knights are like, like, and that beat has showed up for the last a million years from them since 2014. And so it's, drums are, it's just, they're just, it's just so odd trying to find them. So I was just kind of curious. And like, Lane, what do you think about this whole thing? I don't really like to classify because 
even if you look at West Coast, I mean, SCV and BD are very, very different stylistically. Um, and so, you know, I'll look at the cores that are maybe a little bit more similar. Like you said, uh, BK and Coates are pretty similar. BK and BD are, are pretty similar. Um, I'll look at it more from that style. But I, I think because you, if you look at like East Coast, like every core has got its exception that makes it a little bit different, right? I don't, I don't know necessarily what the epitome of an East Coast core is necessarily just because they all are East Coast, but they all do things a little bit different. Rolls. But... It's 15 inch rolls on a snare. <laughs> well, there we go. But, uh, you know, speaking from a, from a brass guy that, you know, I don't know anything about percussion, you know, besides like I know what a flam is and that's about it. Um, Good enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think there are definitely like different personalities, the cores that kind of lump them together into different groups, but uh, that's about as far as I take it. I don't, I don't give it a whole ton of thought to be honest. And I guess maybe one of the things, I guess maybe we just found something out because we are planning on doing an East, an East versus West episode and getting some folks who emotion on both sides of the country. Uh, I know Gareth is going to be a big one on that one as well because he's done all he's done all three regions technically, um, and like it might actually seem like a bit more of a conversation over here because like, and at least on the drum side, I know the brass it's more of a we're going to march faster than you. Um, so I feel like I feel like East Coast is like just a more aggressive style of drum core about things is like, but it sounds like what I'm hearing from you guys. It's not even really a conversation y'all have East versus West. It's just like y'all are different. While East Coast, it's like we find similarities between Boston Cadets and Carolina Crown, at least from a drum perspective, since they're all taught. They've, they've all gone through the cadets and stuff like that. And I know like a lot of the guys, and also, but I guess that's the other thing, like a lot of y'all staff have stayed with the core they're with, or they kind of go in packs and they don't really like share. Well, like, Colin Whitnut went from cadets to Boston. Tom Austin's there cadets forever. And Tom Hannum taught cadets who taught Tom who taught Colin. And so we have like a lot of similarities over here. So I guess like, is that, would you maybe consider that a thing? Like you guys don't even really care or think about East versus West. You just do blue nights. Yeah. I yeah. mean, there's the like typical stereotype that like East coasts are really like hard and rehearsal is rehearsal and you're like tuned in rehearsal the entire time and west coast is like stereotypical like laid back super relaxed and chill vibe and everything and i i it really just depends core to core i mean we really don't talk about it too much but my i mean like i said earlier my main like distinction between the two is literally just what tour people take i really don't take into stylistic accounts or anything like that yeah, I, I think uh, yeah. East Coast is maybe a little more homogenous than West Coast, if that makes sense. Like, I think uh, there are probably more similarities between the philosophies and the um, goals and designs of, of, say, Cadets and Crown than, say, BD and SCV. Um, so I, I think, like maybe east coast versus west coast is is more saying like more cadets and crown style versus not that rather than um 
like I think West Coast is 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 like a harder category to to pin down. Another way I see it, I always feel East and West Coast is more of a mentality kind of thing from coast to yeah. coast. Like you're right, East Coast is definitely more homogenous for West Coast. Obviously, if you're talking about strictly style, that's a lot more difficult. But I think I might make the argument that the West Coast mentality. They're more open to utilizing other different styles. In fact, you can make the argument that hmm. Vanguard kind of has the East Coast kind of vibe in terms of being aggressive, especially with the drum line. So I guess for me, East Coast, it's like, yep, straight dots, aggressive. Hmm. West Coast, it's just a matter of we're open-minded and we're just going to use uh, what works for us and that can vary from core to core. I guess West Coast is just typically more open-minded at i guess i would see i would say that's that's actually funny because like sev is lately becoming more of the poster child for west coast drum lines over uh, east coast because one of the things they do they teach you when you play drums is to play through the head and like paul renick's tenor lines historically feather tap their drums and which means like they're not putting a lot of they're not putting a lot of energy into it and like everyone's like they're not playing for the head blah 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 but it's like but they've won drums the last four years and so it's one of those paul rennick doesn't want to change because he won a bunch at phantom he's now at unt and he's at scv making a legacy with his wife so like why is it going to change so i guess it's kind of one of those to me while i guess right east coast feels like i see a lot of people go from like cadets to crown to boston and like we'll kind of hop cores over here but I feel like once someone hits a West Coast core, they most likely stay in it. Because it's like, I don't see a lot of people jumping SCV to BD, but I'll see a lot of people hopping East Coast cores and stuff like that. I don't know. I feel like y'all just have like the luxury of like each ensemble is something completely different. And I think we like to categorize things, but we kind of can't with y'all other than yeah, really chill. And I think, it, yeah, <laughs> and it's, I think it's even more complicated by the fact that the activity has just changed so much over the past, like even five years. Um, yeah. Cause SCV drum lines is more Texas than California. Cause they're all from the university of North Texas. Yeah. yeah I even think that they do some of spring training in California. I think they start out at UNT and then they all go up to California mm-hmm. together. Actually, uh, David wasn't, uh, Sarah Bowden that pointed out to us that literally SCB's drumline because they go to UNT they literally yep. rehearse all year round. Yeah, yeah. And, and even Boston, they they started doing camps in Florida. Like there's a couple of years they did all of their camps in Florida, so they're like, I felt like my hometown was Allentown because I at least went there a couple times during my summer. But it's like you don't even go to Boston until like your friends and family show, but you've already done all your camps. Uh, and like all this other stuff i know Tampa. Troopers, yeah troopers now, did a whole... now boston does camps in texas actually like yeah. this year leading into 2020 all of the camps were in texas except for like one i think same with troopers uh at least in 16 and 17 they did everything in texas yeah so it's like maybe i don't know a lot of cores it's like they've gotten away from their hometown because i know troop one of troopers big things like how do we get a couple hundred people to come in here to casper wyoming <laughs> when like for an audition when like the nearest airport is hours away i think it's dia yeah because i remember seeing some kids at troop at the airport when i'd fly in for 
camps or spring training. Nothing like flying to Denver and then getting on a bus for three hours to go to Casper. Yeah. And so it's one of those, I guess it, it also makes sense, like geographically, the East Coast guys were just closer to each other. Um, it's not that far to get to Boston, and especially since a lot of folks either come from Westchester or UMass um, over here. And then, you know, the Crown guys used, like, I don't know, we just kind of like, oh, then the Crown had Lee Bettis for a bit, who was another cadet. So I guess like East Coast, uh, at least drums, they all come from Tom Hannum, who was, I think he just retired as a band director of UMass, but then like was a cadet guy for a while. And again, taught Tom, taught Lee Bettis, who taught Colin. And so we, we share a lot of that stuff. You guys said, uh, Senator Claire had Scott Johnson for like three years, but then he hopped right back to BD. Now he's like been there for like 40 or something years. <laughs> that is wild, by the way. Someone having the same job in drum corps for 40 years, and he's not the only staff member at that court that's done that that's why bd is so consistent they don't yeah. have a whole lot of turnover oh yeah it's crazy so i guess we're all in consensus by the loosest definition that lane does not like to put <laughs> blue knights is a west coast core hey. yep yeah I'm down. but we we question the categories so yes <laughs> i think that's actually something i hadn't considered because like I said, we are planning for that episode, but I hadn't considered that's not even like on the all of mine. It's like we have like East Coast audibles and everything. East Coast. Yeah. <laughs> Crown's 2018 show was literally nicknamed Beast from the East. Like, cause like the whole Beast, I think that someone went East yeah. Coast. We should do a show called Beast. And like, I'm pretty sure that's how that, that from a friend of mine told me that's how the conversation went. I can like, ask my roommate, you marched that year. <laughs> I, I, that's at least like lightly what someone told me because it's just we value our aggressiveness and y'all value your chill which we could say our way is better but like east coast hasn't won anything like since 2013 it's been all like midwest or farther west so it's like maybe we're should we should listen to it we started cadets had a nap block in 2017 Ooh. Yeah. That, that was that was seen as a huge huge shift <laughs> there were there was alumni that were angry about that <laughs> we had like at least three or four in 2018 so <laughs> they were all in texas oh yeah because it was like two billion degrees oh yes yeah Oy. it was like 111 in crumb or something oh that was my least favorite day by far there's fissures in the field that you can fit a literal euphonium in, and it's 112 degrees, and I'm just done. I'm done. I'm going inside. No thanks. Yeah. Well, I think uh, we're we're nearing uh, the 90 minute mark, so we're gonna try and wrap things up. Um, but if anyone has any final words on. 2018 on ghost stories or anything that we talked about uh <laughs> did please. we mention the lime luffa oh hey hey should we just say it i don't think we'll all be in sync together though we can try see what Might happens be half the fun okay 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 it's gonna make my very metronomic brain angry i think this would be <laughs> the best way to end the episode anyway okay this is, this is the podcast outro from now on let's see if we remember it the same okay <laughs> all right ready 
Has, has anybody, anybody seen my shower supplies? supplies? <laughs> they were on the third floor. <laughs> it was, it was a, a green green a blue, no, a blue towel, towel, a green a bag, and a lime lava. And a green bag. Oh, and a green bag. The green bag was the last. Oh, so bad. So um, bad. And then the fact that- 100 plus people comment and drink more water. Drink more water. And then we recited that on yes, the bus ma'am. for two hours. <sighs> it's uh, not better than that. Out of sync. The fact you, that you guys were out of sync made that funnier. <laughs> Well, the fact that we were out of sync and can't really remember exactly how it went. Has anybody <laughs> seen my shower supplies on the third floor? They was on house. the third was a blue floor. Blue towel, a lime loafer, and All a right. green but, bag. Um, but yeah. So just thank you to Lane and Kendall for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having thank me. You. Thank you for not answering the question because I'm pretty sure it's still about Egypt. Yeah. Who knows, man? It, you know, it's about Egypt. It it really is. I feel like if Lane says it's about Egypt, like Lane has a pretty good feeling of just like, ah, this show is actually about this. Like twenty, yeah. it's like twenty seven, uh, Blue Knight twenty seventeen actually was about the letter E. I believe Lane. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, I guess we'll just drop an MFBK and get on out of here. Yeah. Hey. MFBK. All right. Everyone have a good night, okay? Thank you. Be safe. Have a good night.